everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff, joining me from the greater Seattle-Tacoma, Olympia, Pullman area from our remote studio is my co-host, as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome. How you doing? Oh, hey, I am in the Pullman area, if you consider, you know, comparatively to Australia or something. But I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. We've had almost a full week of baseball by the time this this episode will be out in the wild. So that means we've probably yeah. spent an inordinate amount of the last week staring at a screen watching baseball games. Yes, I have to admit that's definitely been me. It's, um, it's definitely couch potatoville, but uh, I have a new setup now where I have my, my recliner has one of those cup uh, phone holders so I can watch a game on my phone and watch a game on the television at the same time. <laughs> the things we do. I know. I, I usually watch. Oh, I yeah. usually watch the Mariners game on my tablet with no sound and then the A's game on the big screen in the living room. You know, you're a pretty big baseball fan when one game just isn't enough. <laughs> well, yeah, if I'm at my desk, I generally will have two or three going with the, with the MLB.TV. You know, you can, you can split them up. Exactly. I have a feeling our listeners uh, watch more than one game at a time, too. Yeah, I would assume so. We've got some pretty diehard baseball fans that are listeners. But let's get, uh, let's get into it because we've got a lot to talk about today. I've got BP might run a little bit long just because a lot of things have happened here in the first couple of days of the season. And we want to we wanna talk about them. So let's get right into our batting practice segment here before we get into the, uh, the main part of the show. Now, I, I don't have, I'm not going to play the circle back song because there was really nothing we were going to circle back from last week. But two weeks ago... Or, or maybe even longer, there was something when we were talking about the longest game in, in history in, uh, in yes. Pawtucket. We talked about something, and I was going to circle back on it, and I never did. I spent a good hour trying to find something on it, and I could not. There was something about an article about that longest game that said it was the most exciting thing that had happened in Pawtucket since a drunk camel got loose from the zoo. And I said I was going to circle Boy. back on that. I cannot find anything on that. I do not know if that was just like a, a throwaway comment in just or if this actually happened, but I can find no no mention of it anywhere. Well, Jeff, it's such a common occurrence. It doesn't get written up, you know. Oh, I guess it's just, it just happens time in Pawtucket. Yeah, you just got to assume that there's always a drunk camel on the loose. So there's no no need to write about it. If anybody has any sort of insight to a drunk camel on the loose in well frankly anywhere we'd be happy to hear yeah. about it but um yeah let us know about the drunk camels yeah so let's talk about some things that happened here in the in the first week of the season first let's start with somebody who's going to be up in your neck of the woods starting we're recording this really late we're recording this on monday but uh, the white Sox are going to be at the mariners here for the next couple of days Yermin mercedes has had an incredible start to the season I don't know if you've yeah. been keeping track of him. His first game of the year, he goes five for five. He ended up going eight yeah. for eight before finally being retired. And heading into Monday, he's nine for 14 on the season. Which That's is, amazing. Yeah. Now, there was a bunch of there was some a bunch of facts floating around that are just not true. This was not that that five for five game was not his major league debut, which a lot of people were, were reporting that it was and saying that he was the first player in the modern era to have five hits to start his career since Washington's Cecil Travis in 1933. 
who went five for seven in a game, but that's not true. Mercedes had an at-bat a year, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but this was not to begin his career. So some of those numbers aren't true, but still what an incredible way to start the season, to start your career, really, your first career hit, then you get four more in that game. That's, I'll take that. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, Let's talk about stolen bases, something, you know, I'm a big fan of. Tim LaCastro. A lost art. Lost Art, which sounds a lot like LaCastro, this guy's last name. Uh, he is now, to to start his big league career, he is now 27 for 27. Which wow. Is, I don't know if, you, if you're new to baseball. That's very good. Very hard to do as well. That matches Tim Raines. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That matches Tim Raines for the most successful steals to begin a career. Now, mind you, 2021, it marks LaCastro's fifth year in the big leagues. So I think Ricky Henderson's records are, are probably pretty safe. 2019, he did steal 17 bases without being caught, which is, that's awesome. He has not stolen more than wow. seven in any other season. But still, when he goes, he's going he's gonna to get in there. That's, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's Sounds a like he's pick. picking his spots. Yeah. And I mean, that's one thing Tim Raines did. Tim Raines didn't yes. run for the sheer numbers that Ricky did, but Tim Raines career stolen base percentage is higher than Ricky's by, by a good bit. So when yeah. he runs, it counts. You remember when the White Sox hired octogenarian Tony La Russa during the offseason? I do remember that, yes. I don't, I don't know if Tony La Russa's in his 80s. He's just old. He's, he's an old. <laughs> I don't old think so. <laughs> uh, well, uh, he hasn't managed for almost, I think it's eight years. But uh, he did something yeah. really unique. In, in Anaheim to start out the season, he purposely walked, or intentionally, as we say in baseball, I guess, he intentionally walked Albert Pujols simply so he could change pitchers. Pujols was the third <laughs> batter that the current pitcher needed to face before he could make a change, so he just put him on base. Unique? <laughs> That's one way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not that bad. Because, <laughs> awesome. you know, you'd rather have Pujols just be on first rather than hit a home run. And he's going to clog up the bases because he's. you could literally put a, right. a, a weighted turtle on first and he would make it to second before Pujols would. Yes. So it's not the worst move, but it, it's the first time I've heard of that happening. Maybe it has happened before, but I thought that was a rather unique managerial strategy. That's funny. Uh, next, the, oh boy, this is a dark, the, you know, as great as it is to have baseball in regular season underway, I had a really rough weekend, <laughs> fandom-wise. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a little rough. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. there's no way to sugarcoat it. The Astros absolutely handed the A's their rear ends. Just, I mean, the A's pitching looked awful. They had no offense. The Astros were just pounding the ball. I mean, they just literally kicked them from pillar to post. Not a lot of fun. But the A's yeah, had it was some, a rough one. Well, the A's had some fun though in the stadium. The fans did, and and the production team there, uh, it, it in at Ricky Henderson Field. I like to say it that way. Had some fun. Yes. With the Astros by playing some uh, rather unique musical choices during Astros introductions. Uh, <laughs> one game they played before he cheats by Carrie Underwood, which I'm not. I, I've heard <laughs> of the song. I couldn't hum hum it to you. 
They also played The Sign <laughs> by Ace of Base during one introduction. Ah, I get it. <laughs> now, obviously, it was a four-game set. I'm guessing there was probably two other clever introduction uh, ditties that they played, but I, I couldn't find them. I just saw those two. But it was fun to hear the A's fans booing. <laughs> and uh, boy, Altuve seemed to really take the brunt of the booing. Um, so there was a there was a play during the during the weekend series when Matt Chapman was on first. There was a ground ball hit. Carlos Correa, though a shortstop, was was playing in the shift. He came in and fielded it and tagged Chapman on his way to second before throwing to first to complete the double play. And there was a collision, a straight up collision. I've seen a lot of people on social media that are not A's fans calling it a dirty play. Most A's fans that I know on social media hmm. didn't think it was a dirty play. I didn't think it was a dirty play. But what I didn't like was Correa just walked off the field. He never turned around, never went to see if if Chapman was okay, just walked away. And I feel like Correa's really leaning into mm, this villain yeah. role that the whole team is being, <laughs> you <laughs> <Maybe>. know, <laughs> he really seems to... Bad and, guys. Yeah, and he's he's a good guy for that. He seems like he can just be a... A jerk and not care. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. You know what I liked about that play, though, Jeff? What I really enjoyed was Chapman just stood up and walked away like nothing happened. Yeah, I loved <laughs> it. it. Great. I loved it. He's a he's a tough <laughs> player. You know, if that would have been an old A's third baseman, uh, Josh Donaldson, there would have been there would have been trouble. <laughs> but yeah, Chapman yeah, is yeah. a hard nose. He's not going to get upset. <laughs> it was good. It, one thing I did notice though was there were a lot of hit by pitches. None of them. W- really in my mind were on purpose a lot of them were you know in on the hands one was on the one was a breaking ball that hit uh, Jordan Alvarez's foot and every time the Astros got hit they would look out to the mound like you got hit on the back foot with a breaking ball take your damn base (laughs) shut up and just play baseball none of these were intentional (laughs) <laughs> it's it's something i mean you gotta i i completely understand i mean they're gonna get hit a good bit especially with fans and the they stands. they gotta take it man. yeah i mean look they they put themselves in this situation you're talking to an astros fan i think people that listen to our show know that uh i love the astros but i mean they are put themselves into a position where they are going to be the recipients of a lot of uh negative feedback from fans and teams shall we say yeah. they're just fortunate that there wasn't really a big season last year and the season that was didn't have any fans in it so yeah. they got a full year reprieve before they started taking all the all the hits and so on from everyone else so, yeah you know what you, you you earned it guys you earned it yeah and part of those a good not a good deal but a, a portion of those players aren't even on the team anymore like i'm curious to right. know when springer comes off the dl in toronto are people going to remember and boo him when he comes up for the Blue Jays? I, I'm interested. I'm guessing probably that. not. Yeah, I'm <laughs> guessing there will be, but I'm guessing it won't be as bad as if he were still on the Astros. That's sure. that's my thought. All right, uh, another another some news here that I only found on a Spanish website. Uh, but uh, Adrian Gonzalez, do you remember Adrian? Gonz- I'm sure you remember Adrian Gonzalez. Sure, he was, I remember him. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the top players in the game for a couple of years uh, when he was with the Padres. I believe, I think he came up with the Padres, and he was traded to the uh, Red Sox, of course, high profile there. I believe he, I don't remember if he won a World Series with the Red Sox or not, but then he was traded to the Dodgers or signed with the Dodgers and kind of flamed out there. But he is still in baseball. He just signed 
with the Mexican League with the Mer- Los Mariachis de Guadalajara. So he is still wow, in professional no baseball. Yeah, he's pretty old. So he's 38 years old right now. He has not appeared in the majors. Boy, I don't remember this. His last appearance in the majors was in 2018 with the Mets. 54 games with the Mets. Hmm. I do not remember that at all. Let's see. Professionally, that was, yeah, the Mets were his last professional baseball stop. So it's been three full years since he has seen professional pitching. So we'll see how he does uh, in Mexico. I thought that was... That was just fun to see his uh, his name uh, pop up. Apparently, though, he came up with the Rangers. Uh, spent the first two I years in the that. big leagues in 2004 and 2005 with the Rangers. He was drafted by the Marlins. He was a first overall draft pick in the oh. draft in 2000 by the Marlins. And, wow, this is stuff we did not know about Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah, really? Uh, he was traded with Will Smith and Ryan Snare to the Rangers for Ugeth Urbina. Oh, I remember him. I remember, well, I remember Oogie, too. He's not someone we want to talk about a whole lot. He's one of those, those players yeah. off the field that we don't want to talk about. But to be traded as a number one overall pick for Ugeth Urbina, that's, he must have fallen out of favor <laughs> with the Rangers, or with the uh, Marlins. I guess so, yeah. Or they were desperate for a guy whose name started with a U. Yeah, W's. Yeah. Let's see. From Boston to the, I remember this now, from Boston to the Dodgers. It was a big trade. He went with Josh Beckett, Carl Crawford, and Nick Punto to the Dodgers for Yvonne DeJesus Jr., James Loney, and Alan Webster. The Dodgers also sent Jerry Sands to the Red Sox. Now, Jerry Sands is a big-time player over there in Japan for the uh, Hanshin Tigers. Oh, so I wanted uh, another couple of things here. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff for BP this week. So, you know, there's uh, obviously not as many fans, unless you're uh, Rangers in the Rangers territory. Not every, you know, not everybody can get to a ball game. There's just, they're not letting many people into ball games. Uh, also, a lot of people have unfortunately gotten sick because of COVID. Well, a prominent fan who will be missing opening day for the first time in 48 years is John Adams for the Cleveland team. John Adams, beyond being, you know, a, a founding father of this country, uh, is the is the fan in left field that bangs on the drum. He's been doing it since the, uh, the old mistake by the lake. He's also, you know, when they opened Progressive Field, which is now, no, it was uh, Jacobs Field when it opened. Now I think it's Progressive Field. He has had some some troubles since the last time fans were there. Uh, nothing COVID-related, though, but he started to have shortness of breath, weakness, and exhaustion. And then he broke some ribs. Um, he went in for a doctor's visit. He had 80% blockage in his heart. And one oh. uh, part of his heart was nearly 100% blocked. So he had some operations, a triple bypass. Then they found a problem with his thyroid. Just a lot of stuff. He's probably not going to be able to get to the ballpark this year. Also, because now he's high risk. You know, if he did get COVID, there might be might be some complications. Sure. Wow. Something that's really cool here, though, is that they found somebody to fill in for him for a little bit. The uh, longtime Cleveland fan and the drummer for the Black Keys, Patrick Carney, is going to be there <laughs> on opening day to fill in for him with the drum. 
Wow. You know, you've become a successful drummer in that case. Yeah, you know you're something if you're getting famous drummers <laughs> to come in and take your place. Now, what I would love to see here is to make this a rotating position and have local celebrities or, you know, national celebrities, whatever, come in and every game there's somebody different there. Kind of like the Cubs do with singing Take Me Out to the Ballpark. As soon as, you know, when Harry Carey was not there or unfortunately later when he passed away, they would have people come in and every game there's somebody different doing it. I think they should do that with this until uh, Mr. Adams gets back into his rightful position. I think they should bring in podcasters. <laughs> fly, fly them in, maybe even. <laughs> Absolutely. Treat them like, you know, t put them in the nicest hotel, treat them like uh, they're some sort of demigods. That's what I think. You know, and they're, they are just, they want to be just known as Cleveland. And we've been doing that long before they decided that they wanted to drop their, their mascot's name here in the last couple of months. So we, we're See? a good example for them. They should totally do that. Another uh, strange thing from the first week of baseball. So there's obviously contact tracing going on in, in Major League Baseball. It happened last year in the shortened season. It's continuing this year. There's some different protocols in place. But players wear kind of like uh, ankle bracelets. Like they're almost like they're under house arrest to be able to track them. Well, uh, this weekend, reliever for the A's, Sergio Romo, wanted to make sure everybody knew where he was. He wore his on the mound. He wore it on the mound outside of his socks so you could see it. <laughs> maybe just, he, it's one of those things where maybe he's worn it for long enough that it just, he just forgets it's there and he just wore it. But he had to have taken it off to put his sock on and then put it back on. This isn't like, it's not under lock and key, like, you, you know, those ones for sure. house arrest. It's just a Velcro strap. So he had to have done it on purpose, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> well, maybe it's a fashion statement. I mean, maybe everybody will be wearing yeah, that. He's a little, he's a little off, you know? <laughs> I see. <laughs> he is a personality. This show is debuting on April 6th. So I'm excited because we are, now we're right in the heart of debuts. Last week, there were only a couple. This week, there were about 16,000 I had to sift through. And I, I came up with three because, I mean, there were, there were literally a, a ton of people that have debuted on April 6th. Uh, first one I want to mention is Dave Concepcion, 1970. Played his entire 19-year career with the Cincinnati Reds, integral part of the Big Red Machine. Nine-time All-Star. He won two World Series, five gold gloves, couple of silver sluggers with an All-Star MVP. Really, just as I said, just a mainstay of those big red machine teams of the 70s yeah. for Cincinnati. Just looking at some of his numbers here, you know, it, it's it's strange because I, I never saw Davey Concepcion play. His final year was in 1988. I might yeah. have seen him taking a bat or two towards the end of his career. But, you know, looking at his numbers here, they're not... You know, offensively, they're not that spectacular. Career OPS plus of only 88, which is obviously 12% below the average. But, I mean, he was an absolute, he, he was a very, very important cog in that team uh, for, for all yeah, the really success was. they had. Uh, also appeared as a pitcher once, which is interesting. In 1988, his final year in the big leagues, pitched uh, one in the third inning, gave up two hits, no runs, and struck out a batter. Not bad, not bad. 
Uh, June 3rd at Los Angeles. It was 13 to 5 was the final. Dodgers blew out. They blew out the uh, the Reds. Let's just see who he struck out here at the end. <laughs> uh let's see he struck out franklin stubbs to end the franklin bottom of the eighth stubbs. yeah i'm sure probably never let him forget about that next uh debut today april 6 1993 trevor hoffman mm. hall of famer well, we've uh, we've talked about him before do you remember who uh who he came up with he was drafted by the reds but who he came up with we've talked about this hoffman? before yeah I, I just remember him as a as a padre. Yeah, well, he he appeared in twenty eight games in nineteen ninety three with the Marlins before he was traded to the Padres, where of course wow. then he spent sixteen years with San Diego, finished up in two thousand and nine two thousand and ten in Milwaukee, led the league in saves twice, once in ninety eight and once in two thousand and six, and ended up with six hundred and one career saves which is uh, very impressive. Obviously, a Hall of Famer. Uh, got in on his second try. How he did not get in... I'm sorry, in his third try. How did he not get in on a first try, let alone second, is beyond me. That's a lot of saves for a guy who's uh, waiting to get in the hall. Yeah, that's... Uh, Interesting. Not uh, not great. I did see he did he refused to sign a one day contract with the Padres to come back and retire with them. Not because he had any ill will towards the Padres. He just doesn't like when that happens. He says that's ridiculous. Didn't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hoffman met his wife Tracy in Buffalo, New York in nineteen ninety-two. She was a member of the Buffalo Bills cheerleading squad. He asked her to marry him in ninety-three while she was on the field during Super Bowl XXVII, which I'm not what is that? Super Bowl twenty seven, two thousand six, two thousand six. Good old Super Bowl two thousand and six, which the Bills lost to the Cowboys. I'm guessing it might have been a field goal. Did, didn't they lose all their Super Bowls on a field goal wide right? Yeah, I was gonna say if the Bills were in it, you know who won. So. <laughs> but he he got a got a wife out of that one. So uh, there you go for that. And then uh, our final debut for today happened in 2017. I do not remember this guy, which is strange because with this name, this seems like the kind of guy that I would remember. His name is Rookie Davis. Rookie? Rookie Davis. Full name, William Theron Davis, but he goes by Rookie. It's not even listed as a nickname in Baseball Reference. Baseball Reference just has his page as Rookie Davis. Rookie Davis. Okay, I don't recall a rookie Davis. Yeah, so he debuted in 2017 for the Reds, and then in 2019 he played for the Pirates. I would have think they would have needed to change his name in that second season. Unless he's still, well, maybe he didn't have enough <laughs> innings to qualify. Maybe he was still a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> you can only go by that for one year or part of another. That's right. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I think if he pitches this year, he still might qualify as a rookie. So I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to allow it. Uh, rookie. Well, what, <laughs> that's good of you to allow. What would we call him his second year? Sophomore? Yeah. I guess something, something like, or he's just got to go by William, Bill, or Thurman. Bill, how boring. Yeah. No offense to anyone listening that's named Bill. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Rookie Davis. I'm rooting for him. I want him to get enough. Yeah, absolutely. I want him to get enough innings so he's not a rookie. All right, let's head to our trivia question. I asked you last week, not just you, but everybody, and I said I needed to step it up. 
I needed to step up because yes. I'd been making it a little bit too easy. We had way too many correct answers. Well, I stepped it up all right because this week, not a single person. We get several mm. people uh, DM'd us. I mean, even Chris uh, from St. Louis and his father couldn't come up with this one. Uh, several people DM us saying, I don't know. Other people gave us answers, not correct answers, but they, they ventured answers. So I'm really proud of myself here with this one. The question was, who has the most seasons where they ended up with exactly one home run? Your hmm, guest yes, last week right. was uh, former Mariner team captain Spike Owen. That was not correct. Did you come up with anybody else? You know, I was I, I was going to say Buddy Biancolana as usual, <laughs> but then I realized there were probably not many times he hit a single home run. No, so I don't have an answer for it, you, man. It was not Kurt Bavacqua either. Oh, or yes, Steve Balboni. We're just going down our list, or, or Oda B. McDowell, our list of favorite names. So I, I did give the clue out. I'd never heard of this guy before. Not that that helps. Not that anybody knows what strange baseball names rattle around in my head. But uh, I'd never heard of this guy. I'm guessing a lot of people hadn't. The player that has hit the most, uh, the, had the most seasons where he hit exactly one home run is a pitcher. And that pitcher's name is Al Orth. <laughs> really? Yeah. Al. No uh, wonder nobody got it. Yeah, his, uh, his nicknames were Smiling Al. So it sounds like he was a happy-go-lucky guy. <laughs> or the Curveless Wonder. <laughs> the Curveless Wonder was given to him because he did not like to throw breaking balls. <laughs> so he very rarely threw them. But he had a lot of success as a pitcher. 15 years in the big leagues, ended up with a 204 and 189 record, led the league in wins in 1906 with 27, led the league in losses the next year with 21. But uh, he's got a good amount of black ink here, leading the league in some, uh, let's see, complete games, win-loss percentage, shutouts one year, saves another wow. with two, two wow. saves led the league. <laughs> Uh, innings pitched, so he, he was a durable guy. But let's look at his offensive numbers because he actually hit one home run in 10 different seasons. <laughs> wow. So he played for 15 years, ended up with 12 home runs. So one year he hit two. In 1902, he had two home runs. Every other year he pitched, he either didn't hit one or he had one. So <laughs> Wow. So he doubled his home run output one season. Yeah, he really, the ball was really, it was the dead ball era, but it was live that year. He hit two. Uh, another couple okay. of interesting things about our, our buddy Smiling Al here. He was an umpire on, uh, after he retired, he became an umpire. And on May 2nd, 1917, he was behind the plate. Actually, he wasn't behind the plate. He was umpiring because he was not, he was behind the pitcher, to be honest. Yes. When Fred Tony. And Hippo Vaughn each pitched nine innings of no-hit baseball, the only time in regulation that neither time that neither team got a hit in a game. Wow! So that's pretty cool, right there. We've I believe we brought up that game before, but now we know who the umpire was, and we've that's talked right. about it. the umpire has a history too. Yeah. Another note here on in uh, August of 1901, Orth had the distinction of playing and umpiring in the same game. <laughs> that doesn't sound totally fair, Jeff. <laughs> so, yeah. So what happened is they used to 
if the scheduled umpire didn't show up, which that kind of seems like a problem if the scheduled ump's like, I got better <laughs> things to do today. Right. But if they if the scheduled ump didn't show up, they'd have a player from each team would umpire each different half inning. So he did his part and umpired half an inning, and then he was set up as a pinch hitter in the ninth inning and oh, had okay. that bat. So he didn't actually umpire his at bat. Still a rare occurrence, I imagine. Yeah, very. All right, I got a new question for you. This one is a fun one. I think it's answerable. It is something you can throw into a spreadsheet, should you like to do that and figure it out. Uh, Who was the last batter to hit a World Series home run in three different decades? (laughs) Wait, wait, the last one? So it's been done a number of times? It has been done four times. Wow. And I'm going to give you no clues here. I'm going to, as to when the last, you know, kind of what, couple of decades the last player to do this was in these are all names that we have we have mentioned on this podcast numerous times so it it should be a fun one i think this is this is one to put some thought into as to who has been around you know you have to have been around at least 12 years okay i guess you could have been around nine years or i'm sorry not nine years 11 years to do this but so you had to have some longevity had to be on good teams to get to the world series at least three different times and then you had to have been good enough to been able to homer in in each of those world series so yeah go ahead and think about probably pretty special players is what you're saying yeah Yeah. these are some some well-known players last player to hit a home run in a world series in three different decades so that is, uh, again, that was, this was a long BP, but I, there were just a lot of things we, I wanted to talk about about the first week in the season. Let's get into the main part of our show. And, Mark, uh, this is opening week for a lot of teams. Uh, of course, th- they're not able to fit as many fans in the stands as we normally would. Normally, promotions in baseball are a big deal. They Usually, though, they don't happen until midway through the season when you're trying to get butts in the seats. In the minor leagues, they happen all the time because that's just, it's minor league baseball. You don't, you can't draw as much every day as you can in the big leagues. But uh, I wanted to talk about some famous giveaways and promotions that have happened throughout baseball. And some of, a lot of these I'd never even heard of, which was, was interesting because I thought I'd heard of a lot. Off the top of my head, I'm like, well, I've got some I want to talk about. I'm sure I've probably heard of most of them, but there were a lot of them that I had not. So, Let's start out. First of all, I saw some Tampa Bay ones that were really unique. The first one was because I haven't been able to sleep since I've seen it. It was called the Zim Bear. And Don Zimmer, <laughs> who we've talked about numerous times. In fact, I think you, did you even do a whole episode on him? I did. I talked yeah. about Zim, yeah. Yeah. So it was the Zim Bear, and it was a teddy bear with his face on it. And <laughs> it's frightening. Yeah, it's scary. It's, you know, Don, he had that Popeye face where if you see him with the rest of his body, he looks jovial. If you just take his face off, like Nick Cage and and John Travolta, you take his face (laughs) off and you stick it on a teddy bear, it is scary stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine. So, yeah, that was scary. But Tampa Bay has had some other weird promotions, uh, like Carlos Pena toothbrush holder night. (laughs) <laughs> Carlos must be known for taking very good care of his teeth. Yeah. Uh, the, the former athletic, former ranger who spent a good deal of time with the, with the Rays was, uh, was holding toothbrushes for people. The next year they had the Evan Longoria cereal bowl and spoon set giveaway. <laughs> See, I could use that. 
<laughs> I'm a guy that likes to match when he's having a meal, you know? So that's great. They get a whole set of that. Like every year, give away a plate, you know, then salad bowl. And then, you yeah. know, maybe appetizer or, or cocktail fork. Give away a whole, so you can collect the whole set. That's, that would be amazing. I've got this one I'd never heard of. And this one has got a commercial for it. And the commercial's great because it plays off that famous Coke commercial of Mean Joe Green. And if you're if you're of a certain age, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're young, you might have seen it. It's very famous. Go ahead and, and Google uh, Mean Joe Green Coke commercial. And, uh, you know, a kid gives Mean Joe Green as a Coke in the tunnel and he throws him his, his jersey and so forth. But this is a different Joe. This is Joe Maurer's sideburn giveaway night. <laughs> wow, what is that? <laughs> so, you know, Joe Sideburn, Joe Sideburn. <laughs> As he was known for a while. <laughs> Joe, I kind of like that name, Joe to be honest with you. I do too. Uh, so Joe Maurer had those like 90210 sideburns in the in the two, 2010s when he was in early, uh, late 2000s. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I can admit Joe Maurer was a good looking, is a good looking man. I don't think he's you know lost it, but he had some good sideburns. I mean, compared to us, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that went without saying. But uh, we both have what we would call a face for podcasts. Uh, we have right. a, no, we have a face for silent radio. More probably, more along those lines. But, right? But Joe, you know, he's got those sideburns, so they gave him away the little stick on things. But they made a great commercial, Beautiful. and uh, I'll post it. I'll post a link in the show notes, but I'll put it on social media as well. Uh, this commercial it was it was really good uh, well done along the same vein of that mean joe green you know speaking of uh facial hair the mariners a couple of times have given away the uh cap that comes with a beard that you can put on your face remember those yeah oh yeah i got one yeah <laughs> do you ever wear it you know just to look cool i do not i have a lot of mariner stuff because you know i worked there a yeah. lot of it is used for padding and bedding for our dogs and cats <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Well, then your your animals are definitely mariner fans. Uh, no, they, they they have A's collars there they, and bandanas oh, and all okay. that stuff. They, they well, know what's up. And it can't be both. Can't be both. How about uh, a holiday-themed giveaway instead of, you know, the bobbleheads are hugely popular. We'll talk a little bit about that. But how about the Mite Trout Nutcracker? <laughs> From nineteen ninety, or from sorry, from twenty nineteen, we talk about nineteen nineteen a lot on the show. Yes, from twenty nineteen, yeah, the Mike Trout Nutcracker came out, and uh, it looks like him. It's just that it's creepy because he's a Nutcracker. Wow, that's yeah. I remember the Mike Trout hat giveaway where it had the trout, you know, the head sticking out of the front and the tail in the back. I did not know about that's, the Nutcracker. I, I personally would like to get a hold of one of those because if he can crack a nut like he can crack a baseball, <laughs> that was terrible. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, how about this one? Year 2000. So remember 2000, the Mets and the Braves, That this was at like the height of their rivalry. This was John Rocker being John Rocker, Chipper Jones just breaking the Mets' hearts every year. Uh, so in 2000, the Mets created a 24-page comic book in which Mets stars foil a villain named Larsenius Vane, which... In I, I think that's Latin means bad blood, who was plotting yeah. to blow up the number seven subway train. So if you don't know, the number seven subway train was the train that had a stop at Shea Stadium. Gotcha. I'm assuming it does at City Field too. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody can tell us. Maybe somebody can tell us. But this is also the the same train that 
that racist John Rocker referred to when he made his idiotic statements. Uh, oh yeah, of, I remember that. Yeah, so it, it's 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 strange that the, that's the plot of this book. But Mike Piazza, Armando Benitez, Robin Ventura, Edgardo Alfonso, and John Franco vanquish Vane into outer space when John Franco, a relief pitcher for some reason, hits him with a baseball bat. I, I think <laughs> Mike Piazza would have probably been more effective, but regardless, <laughs> it, it worked. This was, as I said, right at the height of this rivalry. Everybody on the Mets, though, says that they had planned this book out like two years beforehand, so it had nothing to do with Rocker. It just coincided with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the facts and things that John, that John Rocker had said. So everybody assumed <laughs> that Bad Blood was actually supposed to be John Rocker, which if he's getting sent into outer space is fine with me. Well, you know, but so Rocker's the kind of guy who would take that as a compliment. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on John Rocker. Um, <laughs> okay. Another great one I found was, uh, you know, Stan Musial, obviously one of the greatest hitters in baseball history. He was also known to be able to fill in for John Popper of Blues Traveler as he was a really good harmonica player. Wow. No yeah, kidding. Yeah, he never, never toured with Blues Traveler, though. That was just hyperbola. Hyperbole? One of those two. I got you. Uh, but in 2013, the Cardinals handed out mouth organs to fans with uh, Stan Musial's signature on them. Oh, wow. Rather a unique giveaway. I Can you just imagine <laughs> that game? Hearing all the noise of kids blowing on their harmonicas for that game, Oy, that would oh boy, yeah, that would have been fun. Not have been my ideal situation. <laughs> I remember going. Uh, actually, I think this is a promotion that didn't get really promoted by the Mariners because the uh, the players. I think they were both gone by the time they were ready to to uh, give these away. It was the Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz Wine Stopper set. <laughs> So the little, it's like a little bust, like the top half of the player, and then it's a cork underneath. And so if you want to keep your wine from going bad or losing its flavor, you can always stick Nelson Cruz or Robinson Cano on top. The really funny thing about that is it's not the only wine stopper promotion that a baseball team has done. The Baltimore Orioles once gave away a set of bottle stoppers featuring Manny, Shoop, Hardy, and Davis. You do four bottles of wine. <laughs> At the same time, you know, with Chris Davis and, and, and Jonathan Shoup and all that stuff, wouldn't it be great? I'm going to go ahead and just preemptively fine you for saying Jonathan Scope's name wrong before one of our listeners does. I apologize. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, I'll find you. I'll find you less than they might. Okay. And as, as you know, Jeff, uh, bobbleheads are hugely, hugely important giveaways at ballparks. Very valuable. Um, yes. You know, and they have been for a long time. You know, I remember the Ichiro bobbleheads in Seattle were hugely important. And, and boy, did they ever just, I mean, you could find them on the secondary market for a ridiculous amount of money. But you still can. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, my personal favorite bobblehead of all time is none other than Hank the Dog from the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> did we had, talk about Hank a while ago? We did. Too. In my Baseball and Dogs episode. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, Hank was a stray and he wandered onto their spring training facility and they, they adopted him. And he has become quite a popular mascot and, in Milwaukee. Actually, I think he's retired now. Yeah. But uh, two different times they gave away uh, Hank the Dog bobbleheads. Once awesome. uh, when he was kind of new. 
And, and by the way, Hank named after Hammer and Hank Aaron, of course. And the other time he won the Golden Hydrant Award when he was the Dog of the Year at the inaugural World Dog Awards. So he got another bobblehead from that. So very famous from a stray to his own pair of bobbleheads, Hank the Dog. <laughs> That's awesome. Good boy. Good boy, Hank. Yeah, got puppy. <laughs> so I've got a, I've got a bobblehead here for you. Do you remember Tom Grozelini? Pitcher for the Bucks. Sure. Yeah. Grozelnik? No, not, not Mark Grozelnik. <laughs> Tom Grozelnik. Yeah, I do. So in 2008, this was a bad time for, for, well, I guess, let's not, I mean, you say Pittsburgh Pirates pitching. It's, it's most of the time it's going to be bad, yeah. dark times. But in 2008, he was the best pitcher for the team. So they had a bobblehead for him. And uh, so, you know, a lot of a lot of pitchers, a lot of fielders like to stick their index finger out of their glove. Sometimes I like to do that. For Mm -hmm. some reason, it gives me a better feel for the glove when I'm closing it than if it was inside the glove. So they made a a bobblehead of Tom and he stuck his finger out of the glove. Uh, They did a little bit of a miscalculation, though, when they tried to mimic this on his bobblehead. And it ended up being the finger next to his index finger that was actually sticking out very prominently. <laughs> this bobblehead is in the Hall of Fame for this this little error and is oh my. Uh, giving the bird to anybody that wants to see it. And it can be found for a hefty price on the Internet should you want to get one for yourself. Yeah, I imagine that uh, those are popular along with the uh, Bill Ripken card. You got yourself a set. Yeah. So uh, this is just speaking of strange giveaways. I thought of you when I saw this one. So Enzo Hernandez was a shortstop with the Padres for most of the 70s. And he was a, a good defensive shortstop. I will, I will give him that. He had some soft hands. So soft, in fact, that in 1974, the Padres held a win a foot rub from Enzo Hernandez giveaway for a promotion. <laughs> So, you could have been the lucky one to win a foot rub from the starting shortstop for the San Diego Padres at one point. That <laughs> just <laughs> that is out of all of these that I found, which some of these are really strange. That is by far the strangest that I found was the foot rub contest. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's an interesting one. I think I'll leave that to other folks to participate in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got a Mariners one here for you. Let's see. Do you remember this right. one? Do you remember the Franklin Gutierrez fly swatter giveaway? I don't. That's crazy. I mean, I love duty, but I don't remember a fly swatter. I'm trying to think of it must have been something Dave Niehaus said at some point about Gutierrez that led to this. Yeah. But I would be willing to bet that our, our friend Frank, who works up there at the, uh, at the Mariners, I'll bet you he's got at least one of these. That guy has an entire garage filled with giveaways from the Mariners since 1977. Yeah, he's been with the Mariners for a long time, and he has all, all these kind of things. All right, so in the minor leagues, no promotion is too weird. As I mentioned, you know, a lot of minor league teams have promotions almost every night, just trying to get fans in the stands, butts in the seats. I got a couple here that I wanted to talk about, and there's a lot of crazy ones Uh, These seem to speak to me most kind of as, you know, what we like to talk about here on this podcast, the goofy part of baseball. This was my favorite. In 2005, the Altoona Curve, who remember, we we learned where the word, uh, why they're named the curve. I I always thought it was a baseball thing, but it's actually due to the train 
and the, the route that it takes in Altoona. They hosted Awful Night. <laughs> I've heard of this. Okay, so this is incredible. The first thousand fans through the through the gates got a picture of the general manager's gallbladder. <laughs> okay. Wow. How'd you like to get that sign, huh? <laughs> well, just wait. Because one lucky fan actually got the general manager's actual gallbladder that had been removed. Oh my, that is frightening. <laughs> yeah. uh, other highlights included clips from Ben Affleck movies between innings. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, music was played as from such celebrated musical artists like Mr. T, David Hasselhoff, and William Shatner. Wow. I'm guessing I'm guessing William Shatner's Rocket Man had to have been played. I would hope so. Uh, did you say I would hope so? I definitely feel that way. Yeah, Jeff. Shatner. Uh, an awful post-game video board fireworks display, meaning that they were only shown on the, fire, <laughs> on the video board. <laughs> that, that is awful. Yeah. Uh, some between-inning contests uh, included the helium balloon toss, the one-person hamster ball race, and the dry <laughs> water slide contest. Sounds painful. Yeah, they also hosted non-celebrity autograph sessions, which <laughs> we could have done that. I mean, really. Sure. Yeah. They displayed some awful foods in the uh, in the uh, concession stands, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with red onions, uh, chicken mm. livers, sardines, and stale crackers, pickled pig's feet mm. and liver and onions with Brussels sprouts. And uh, finally, fans were also able to purchase Spam and cheese sandwiches for $2 and Tang for a dollar. Oh, man, Tang. Wow, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know that stuff was still available. I would, you know no, what's I better what, What's better than mixing Tang with water is just eating the Tang powder. That's what I used to do. Great Tang. Yeah, yeah I used to snort it. <laughs> oh, man. I was yeah. in a, oh, boy, just <laughs> bouncing off the walls for the next eight hours. Absolutely, man. It that was an energy drink for kids in the 80s, was just the powder. We had no idea, but it was definitely an energy drink. Our parents didn't have any idea, uh, unfortunately for them. This this really seems like that was our night that we, uh, in 2005, before we even knew each other. We should have been there. Um, got a couple of other great promotions from the minor leagues. The Hudson Valley Renegades decided to give away toilet seats to the first 3,000 fans one night. Uh, the promotion was a follow-up to a plunger giveaway the year before. So there, see, that's along the same lines of the uh, of the Evan Longoria cereal bowl and spoon set. I think they're giving away. If you come every year at a certain time, you can essentially decorate an entire room in your house with something, which is a good ploy. Let's see. Uh, in two thousand and eight, the Saint Paul Saints, who of course, it, well, I say of course, it's just because we've talked about it so many times. They were an independent team at that point. This year. They're actually AAA, which is big jump up. They played a game in some zebra pants while a monkey performed the daily tasks around the ballpark, like taking ticket stubs and dragging the infield. Uh, <laughs> earlier, in a couple of years earlier, in 2004, uh, Saints fan Mark Turndorf bought himself an at-bat on an eBay auction run by the team for $5,600, he got to take an at-bat in an actual game. What? In the eighth inning of a game, he came in as a pinch hitter and popped out to the catcher, which I'm going to give him props for that, that he made Dude, he contact. Got... Exactly. He got a piece of it. Good yeah. for him. I would have no doubt have been bailing on every pitch and been <laughs> out of the batter's box 
regardless. So congrats to Mark Turndorf. All right. Well, I think that, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was, you know, and there's a lot more. Oh, yeah. I think we'll, we'll definitely have to have another segment like this. All right. It is now time for the uh, segment of the show where we go head to head between Mark and myself in a segment we like to call Wax Packs. Gotta pull a wax back hero. Now, Mark, we got a little something different today. We've never done these before. These are FLIR 91, and it says, this is how they describe them, logo stickers and trading cards. Logo, Yeah, logo stickers is before trading cards, and there are only nine cards in each pack. So Ooh. this is this is like an actual game here. You only get nine batters. There you go. This is a test match is what it is. <laughs> oh, very good. A little cricket uh, reference. That's right. <laughs> Bully for you. All right. Uh, so this yeah. is going to be a little bit shorter than usual. We're going to have to, you know, see how this works out. Now, you have uh, been putting it on me. Uh, I am I am down big time. You have 17 wins. I only have 10. You're three away from back-to-back championships, which is something that has not ever been done in our league mainly never, because never. this is only the second season of this uh, right. tournament. But regardless, uh, we're going to get going on these 91 flares. Uh, a couple of rules here that we do uh, while playing this game. We are going to score these players using the year of the card. So 1991, we're going to be using Baseball Reference War. A couple of different ways that you can add or subtract some points to that war. If you are sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. You're sporting a Raleigh Fingers, Tom Selleck esque, like a beauty, like a work of art, like a mass of hair kind of mustache. You're going to get extra two tenths of a point. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, we like that. That's an extra point or an extra tenth of a point. If you are wearing two in ones, we don't like that. That's a minus tenth of a point. If you've got sweatbands on that have your caricature, your jersey number, or a McDonald's or other Big Burger or any other kind of corporate logo on, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing glasses of any sort, whether they be flip down, sunglasses, science teacher glasses, reading glasses, anything like that, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. And if you have since been put into the Hall of Fame, we're going to give you a whole point of war because that means you're badass. All right, Mark, I got two packs here. They are identical on the outside. Which one would you like, the one in the left hand or the one in the right hand? I've been very, very good with the uh, right-handed one, so I'm going to go with the left. Oh, okay. I was I was literally putting the one in my left to the side because I'm going to have you go first. So we're going to go ahead and open this up and uh, see what we get here with these 1991 Fleer. So you have got a uh, Toronto Blue Jays sticker card. Which is lucky uh, me. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It's okay. Leading off, you are going to start off with Mr. Halle Berry. Ah, Mr. Justice. Yeah. So David Justice, of course, uh, he was Rookie of the Year in 1990. Spent a good bulk of his career in Atlanta, eight years there. I remember him mainly with Cleveland. Uh, after that, I also spent a couple of years in New York and one Money Ball year in Oakland. I don't remember who That's portrayed right. him in, in the movie. But uh, in uh, 1991, he was still in Atlanta, came in 12th in the MVP race that year, had an OPS plus of 140. 
That is not bad. 129 wow. career OPS plus. What a good wow. Good career. Only 1571 career hits. That seems hmm. that seems rather low for what yeah, I Yeah, he thought. played for a while, didn't he? Played for 15 years or I'm sorry, 14 years. Uh 1991 war of 1.6. Uh looking at this card, he definitely has two and one stirrups. So you're going to start off with a 1.5, which is not too bad. Uh, so Dave Justice, if you remember, uh, the ladies like Dave Justice. Halle Berry certainly did for a short st- <laughs> short stint, I guess. Uh, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Uh, at one point, 1994, named the People's 50 Most Beautiful People issue. which I remember that. We've both been on that as well. So that's um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Uh, also, he was mentioned in the Mitchell Report. On steroids. I'm not sure that I remember him mm. being brought up in that. But, yeah, definitely was mm. uh, was uh, uh, listed in that. And uh, apparently was on an episode of Celebrity Wife Swap. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Oh, this is one of my favorite utility infielders for the Oakland Athletics. I know what his nickname is. You're going to tell me. It's Lance Blankenship. Oh, Lance Blankenship. Yeah, he played for... Um... A couple years in Tacoma. Real quiet guy, but very, very nice. And nickname? Blank. Lance O'Darn, you sunk my blank and ship? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that one. That's good. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lance appeared in the big leagues for six years, all of which were with the A's. In 1991, had a 94 OPS plus, appeared in 90 games, played just about everywhere. All of that equals a war of 1.5 so the same war as dave justice <laughs> uh let's see and blankenship is probably a lot cheaper let me tell you oh boy a lot cheaper uh he does have two and one surfs but he's also got the flip downs so it's gonna it's gonna be 1.1 exactly again that'll bring you to three after two cards well lance used to give me uh shoes he would get all kinds of shoes from different shoe companies he's a big up and coming uh, prospect and he didn't like to change shoes very much so he would give me all these new shoes and I would give them out to my friends I I couldn't wear them because I have the world's tiniest feet but it, he was a very <laughs> nice guy very gentle oh, I always liked Lance I'm glad to hear that all right yeah, yeah. next we've got catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals Tom Pagnazzi wow have we ever talked about Pagnazzi I I swear we, we had to have because he was kind of a staple yeah. in the in the late 80s early 90s yeah he was Although my, my highlight here for baseball reference is not is not darkened for Tom Pagnozzi. So I don't, maybe we haven't. Uh, huh. Spent 12 years in the big leagues, all of it with St. Louis, which is yeah, interesting. That makes sense. Three-time yeah. Gold Glove Award winner. In 1991, appeared in 140 games for the Cardinals. Spent a little bit of time at first base. Also pinch hit a bit. 264, 319, 351 slash. That's an 89 OPS, but defense is definitely where it was at for Pagnazzi, and that equals a 3.0 war for wow. Pags. And he has got real stirrups on, so that's 3.1. You have just more than doubled your uh, your score there with wow. Pags. Pagnozzi, by the way, won uh, three gold gloves over the course of his career. Uh, apparently, I don't remember, maybe I do, just because of the last name. His cousin, or, no, I'm sorry, his nephew, Matt Pagnozzi, was a catcher for the Cardinals hmm. in 2009. Wow, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I, did, I, I don't remember that off the top of my head. All right, you're at 6.1. Your next player is shortstop for the Brewers. It is Edgar Diaz. Edgar Diaz. You know, I remember him. He played for maybe three, four, five years. Two? In, okay, uh, two. <laughs> five <laughs> games in 86 and 86 games in 90. He did not play in 1991. Oh, good. Lucky me. Yeah, well, even luckier you. He's got uh, two and ones, so that's going to actually minus a tenth of a point for you. That's going to actually minus minus a tenth of a point for you there. That'll bring you back down to six. Uh, Nickname was Kiki, which uh, I'm always a fan if you're nicknamed Kiki. Kiki Diaz, like like Kiki D, who did the uh, Don't Go Breaking My Heart song with Elton John. Maybe that was why. I get it. Kiki Ah, Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next you got a guy that is, uh, boy, when we talk about great pitchers from the 80s and 90s, he has got to be right there. Here he is with the Mets, David Cohn. Oh, man. Yeah, just one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. Let's see. David Cohn, of course, came up with the Royals. Uh, Well, I guess I say, of course. I don't know why I, I know that he came up with the Royals, but he did in 86. He appeared in 11 games, and then he was uh, shipped to the Mets, where he spent a good portion of his career. Let's see. He was shipped to the Mets for Rick Anderson, Mario Guzzo, and Ed Hearn. So I would say that the Mets got the better part of that trade. Looks like it, yeah. Yeah, a lot of black ink here. Led the league in 98 and with, with wins in 20. In 1991, he went 14 and 14 with a 3.29 ERA. Led the league in strikeouts for the second straight year. And uh, quite a bit of black ink here. So in 1991, that equates to a war of 4.4. And he's got some real stirrups on, so that'll be a 4.5. Nice. And just a note on on him, um... In 1994, he did win the Cy Young Award his last year with the Royals. Coney is now on the Yankees broadcast team on Yes. Uh, next is a guy that had a great jerry curl throughout uh, his career in the big leagues. I believe he's had a son that has made the big leagues as well. Here he is listed as an outfielder for the White Sox, Yvonne Calderon. Yvonne Bubbling Calderon, yes. Nice. I was going to go with Yvonne Black Calderon. Uh-huh, that's not bad, too. Uh, let's see here. Yvonne Calderon spent 10 years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the White Sox. Spent three years with the Mariners. In uh, Actually, oh. he came up with the Mariners, 84 through 86. He was traded midway through 86 uh, with the Mariners. He was an all-star in 1991, but he was no longer with the White Sox. He was on the Expos at this point. Ended up with a 139 OPS+. Plus. This could be good for you. That equates to a 3.3 war. Wow. He's got real stirrups on as well, so that'll be a 3.4. Wow. Go Calderon. All right, so you're at 13.9. Your second to last card, again, there's only nine cards in these packs, is Rafael Ramirez, shortstop for the Astros. Yeah, I barely remember him. Boy, he played for a bit, though, I think. I'm uh, trying to recall anything about him. He was with the Braves at some point. Yeah, definitely he? with the Braves for eight years to start his career and then five years to finish out his career with Houston. He is uh, one of those light-hitting infielders, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the Dominican. Yeah, not a lot of walks because you can't walk off the island. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> definitely a free swinger. He was an all-star once in 1984. In 1991, he appeared in 101 games for the Astros, a 65 OPS plus. 
and that equates to a minus 1.1 war and he's yeah. got two and ones so that's going to be a minus 1.2 you know i was never the big i mean not, nothing against him personally but i was never a big fan of his when he was playing for the astros and look he's come back to hurt me again uh, all right, and your final card of the pack, you're at 12.7, with your final card being none, none other than Orioles pitcher Pete Harnish. Let me think. He was not a bad pitcher, was he? I, I, I remember him being pretty good. Yeah, I definitely remember him being good. I remember trading him for him several times in fantasy. Uh, I remember him for the Astros and the Orioles. Apparently was also on the Reds, the Mets, and the Brewers. I had a 14-year career. He was only an all-star once, and that was in 1991 with the Astros. So he did not spend 91 with, with uh, Baltimore. He was traded. He went 12-9, and nine, had an ERA plus of 129, and that equates to a war of 4.6. Most definitely has real stirrups on here, so that's a good look. So that is a 4.7 to uh, round wow. out your pack, and that will give you a 17.4. Woo, man. Yeah, I feel like that's nine a, cards. I feel like that's a good total for nine cards. I think so too. All right. So here we go. I would love to be able to come up with a win, but I think it's gonna be a tough road to hoe. All right, I got a Padre sticker though. It's the it's the brown and orange Padres version. So I like that one. But all right. My first card is a guy I remember with the Rangers, most definitely. Always had a lot of power, but never could really become an everyday player. It's Kevin Reimer. Yeah, I remember Kevin Reimer, sure. Um, pretty good ball player all around. I remember liking him. Reimer played six years in the big leagues, five with Texas, ended up one year with Milwaukee. Uh, let's see, in 1991 was his first full-time year, 136 games, ended up with an OPS plus of 124 hit 20 home runs, knocked in 69 ribs, and that equates to a war of .8. Uh, he's got I real stirrups. More than that. His defense wasn't great. So uh, okay. he's got real stirrups on, though, so that'll get me a .9 to start out with. All right, next I've got pitcher for the San Diego Padres. It is Derek Lilliquist. I remember Derek Lilliquist. I remember him, too, but yeah. not so much with the Padres. Uh, I think it was yeah. in Cleveland that I remember him. Yeah, he spent three years in Cleveland in the early 90s. That's right. He was an Indian. I remember that now. Uh, also played for Atlanta, San Diego, Boston, and Cincinnati. In 91, he was with the Dads. Not a great year. Only played in six games, 8.79 ERA, and that equates to a war of minus 0.6. And uh, he's got two and one straps. So oh, that geez. is a minus 0.7 there for uh, Mr. Lilliquist, which is not helping me out one iota. Yeah. Yeah, if he could maybe do better. All right, next. Oh, no. One of my least favorite people in baseball, uh, former manager of the A's who was just awful. Uh, he is Billy Bean's best friend. He was the hmm. best man at Billy Bean's wedding, and he won finally won a World Series ring last year as the bench coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Here he is as a catcher for the New York Yankees. It's Bob Guerin. I thought you were going to say Bob Guerin. I God. just, I wasn't sure, but I just, he was yeah, the worst, I remember Bob. worst manager of the A's just ever. I couldn't stand him. No one could really. I was really surprised when he got fired because he is best friends with, with Billy Bean, but 
Uh, only five years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the Yankees, and that was part of it was when Ricky was with the Yankees, which is why I think I remember him so much. 91 was his final year. He was a backup, uh, OPS plus of 55, and uh, that equates to a war of minus 0.4. He does have real stirrups, so I'll only take a 0.3 hit on that. But I'm in the negative. I'm at negative 0.1. Uh, wow. things not looking good for, uh, for, for my, uh, my team here. Bob Guerin also appeared uh, on Family Feud with his uh, family members in 1988. No word knew that. how that ended up for Mr. Guerin. All right, <laughs> next guy we've talked about, this guy before, uh, kind of a utility infielder for the Kansas City Royals. It's Terry Shumpert. Yes, Terry Shumpert. Was he with the Royals his whole career? I think he was with, for some reason, I want to say the Rockies. I think that sounds right, like maybe at the end of his career. Uh, He came up with the Royals, spent five years with the Royals. Then he went to Boston, Chicago, San Diego for a year each, five years with Colorado, and then finished up in 2003 with Tampa Bay. In 91, it was his first full year in the big leagues. He played in 144 games for the Royals, only hit 217 and an OPS plus of 68. This is not looking good for me again. That's a war of minus 0.2. Uh, he does have real stirrups, so only minus 0.1. But I'm, oh, lucky you. Let's see. Terry Shumpert was drafted. Uh, his son was drafted by the Tigers, but never uh, did anything. He is cousin. Uh, he is cousins with Mookie Betts, though. So that's hmm. uh, probably his relation to his best, uh, the best baseball player. Now, next, I have got a home run Kings card. I'm going to get some points out of this. Absolutely guaranteed. So can you tell me who were the home run leaders in 1990 for uh, both the American League and National League? You're going to put me on the spot for that? Yep. (laughs) I'm just going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, it is none other than Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg and Big Daddy Cecil Fielder. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to, uh, since they're both on here, I get numbers from both of them. So let's take a look at, we won't go in-depth on both of them because we've we've talked about both of them before. In 91, though, Rhino was an all-star, got MVP votes, Golden Glove, Silver Slugger, 138 OPS+. Plus, and he ended up with a war of 7, plus he's a Hall of Famer, so that is a plus 8 for me. That brings me right, now I'm up to 7.8. And then uh, let's look at uh, Cecil Fielder's numbers for that season. Was that Cecil's 51 home run year? Uh, let's see. He only had 44. He hit 51 in 1990, but this is a 1991 card. Led the league in home runs and RBIs this year. Second in the MVP voting, all-star and a silver slugger, a 133 OPS plus, And that equals a war of 3.8. And he's got a mustache, so that is 3.9. That will give me an 11.7, which is still six points, uh, about five and a half points behind you. But I was in negative numbers before that card, so I'll take that. Yeah, it's a a sweet comeback so far. All right, I got three cards left. Next is catcher for the Cubs, Hector Villanueva. Uh, One of the funnest names to say, Villanueva. I'm sure Harry Carey uh, said that with some gusto. I'm sure. Yeah. And some Budweiser. Hector was a, if I remember, he was kind of a big guy. Uh, let's see, 6'1", 220. So kind of a wide guy. Yeah. Uh, 91, 
uh, backup catcher, an OPS plus of 143. Uh, had 13 home runs and only 214 plate appearances. That's not wow. bad. 2.2 war. He's got a mustache, but he's got two and one. So I'll just take the 2.2 there, which is not bad for a backup catcher. I'll take that all day. Oh, no, that works. All right. Uh, my second to last card is Mariner's legend. He also played for the Yankees, Henry Cotto. <laughs> I remember Henry, sure. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a Mariner for... Five years? Let's see. Six years with the Mariners, three with the Yankees, and then he spent uh, various years with a couple of other teams. 1991 was his best year of his career. This might bode well for me. Slash 305, 347, 463. That is a 123 OPS plus. And that equates to a war of only 0.3. He's got a good mustache, but he's got two and one. So that'll just be a 0.3 for me. That brings me up to 14.2 with one card left. Uh, Henry Cotto also played uh, over in the uh, Japanese league as well. Uh, played for Yamayuri, the Giants, in 1994. All right, so my final card, I've got a 14.2. You have a uh, 17.4. So I need 3.2 here on my final card. And you use a Hall of Famer here. Yeah, well, uh, I've got Keith Brown instead, pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, Keith Brown, sure. I don't remember him. I haven't. I, I, I saw this and I immediately thought Kevin Brown, and I'm like, oh, maybe. Oh, but no, could it's, have a shot. it's yeah. Keith Brown, who played for four years in the big leagues, all of which were with Cincinnati. In 1991, he appeared in only 11 games, had a 2.25 ERA, a 176 ERA plus. But he appeared in 12 innings, walked six, and struck out four. So I'm not counting on much here. <laughs> that is a war of .2, and that's all I'm going to get out of that card. So that gives me a score of 14.4 and gives you another win. You're now up to 18 compared to my 10. Wow, we're just trying to stay humble over here, man. <laughs> Two away <laughs> from cl- from claiming your your crown once again. So congratulations there. And uh, that'll wrap up another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. That's also going to start to wrap up our episode. I'd like to thank all of our listeners as usual. We really do appreciate you joining us each week. If you want to get a hold of us on social media, y'all have been doing a great job of it recently, whether it be trivia questions, kangaroo court, or just uh, wanting to talk. We really do appreciate it. You can find us on uh, social media on Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O, Strike Noise. Uh, You can also search for us on YouTube. I've got a couple of new things coming up on YouTube, and we're going to try some stuff on Twitch. So you're going to be able to join us live in real time pretty soon doing some things, which I hope will be fun. I'm sure, Mark, you and I will have fun regardless if nobody's there. Yeah. But uh, Well, isn't that the key? The biggest point of this show is to make entertain ourselves, right? It really is. But if we can entertain anybody else, that is great. But with baseball season underway now, we're going to start to do some things live on Twitch that hopefully everybody can join us for free on there. Mark, they can also get a hold of us via email. You want to remind them how to do that? Sure. You can send us an email at 2StrikeNoise, T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com send away uh, we almost always okay we always answer because i have no life so we uh we hope to hear from you we certainly do and uh, we hope to have everybody back again next week we'll be here for another episode we hope you will be too we'll see you next week on two strike noise thank you god bless you have a great day Bye.